0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 106 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me this week um, for, our, I guess, our season preview slash rotation preview episode, I'll explain that in a little bit, is the great Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott?
1: What's up, man? It's
0: been a busy day. Uh, Twitter is melting down right now um, about our lead topic uh, just for a little bit of background, I was traveling this weekend uh, and you and I couldn't connect yesterday. Um, so we decided to hold it for Monday night uh, independently of the Braves doing anything. And right on cue, as they've done really all season, all, all season so far, all the news has been on Monday. So every time we record a podcast on Sunday, we always miss it. But this time we waited and uh, the Braves announced on Monday afternoon that Ron Racuna is going to start the season in the minors. Uh, and
1: Dustin Peterson
0: oh yes and your boy Dustin Peterson we, I have that written down and I should have um, I should have led with that actually I should have actually <laughs> in retrospect led with uh, Dustin Peterson staying down in the minors but uh, Ronald Acuna is going not going to start the season in Atlanta uh, neither one of us are going to be surprised by that I don't think but a lot of reactions to that um, even some quotes from Alex Anthopoulos explaining at least their public line of thinking I think we all know that's probably not necessarily the truth because this is pretty blatantly a service time thing, but uh, where are you at with this? I think you know everybody's sort of weighing it on Twitter, social media. I think my biggest takeaway is that I'm not surprised. I have some other thoughts that I'll share, but kind of where yeah. are you at with this, uh, with this news uh, here in late March?
1: Yeah, definitely not a surprise, and I think I'll start by saying this and then kind of get into my argument on it. Look, there are two very real sides of it. There's the, you know, the players rights and player advocacy side of it. And then there's the kind of the team advocacy and and what teams are allowed to do and everything like that. You know, my side, if, if it hasn't been clear, you know, on the pod and on Twitter and on the blog and everything like that is the Braves are doing nothing that every other organization in baseball doesn't do. It is within their rights of the current CBA to kind of manipulate service time and, and get an extra year of Acuna's uh, control, and those are the rules. So I don't, I don't necessarily think you can really, uh, you know, call the Braves for doing something. It's not like they're doing this for the first time ever, and no other team in baseball has ever done this. I mean, even the Cubs with Chris Bryan is is the obvious example. You know, the Cubs are flush with money; they have all the money in the world, and they still did it. So. It's not as if the Braves are doing something for the first time ever. Now, with that said, the system itself sucks. I mean, it does. The, the fact that you can keep a all-world talent of a player down in the minor leagues for whatever it is, 14 days, and, and get an extra year of control is a ridiculous system. Whoever orchestrated the deal had no, you know, was not looking out for the players in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, those are the rules. And the Braves, I don't see any reason for the Braves to go out within their rights of, of utilizing the rules and, and uh, using the rules to their advantage when everyone else does it. And, you know, if, if Anthopolis wasn't doing it, the outcry would be, well, what are they doing? Why would you trade 12 games for a whole nother season of control? Now, Again, if you want to argue that it's not fair for the players, I'm I'm not disagreeing at all with that. I, I think it's a ridiculous system. But to to kind of poo-poo on the Braves and, and talk about how you know how how terrible they are, how they're a trash organization for doing something that everyone else does is kind of where um, I guess I, I disagree. So not a surprise. Um, and you know, thankfully, it sounds like April fourteenth or so is when it'll come up, and that should certainly be fun. They might hold them, of course, for the the first home game to get the the boost of a home gate. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it.
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I wildly projected, uh, and you know, courtesy of Mark Bowman in, in some ways as well. But I I've been thinking that he was going to start the season in Atlanta when um, the Braves have that home date. I think it's the sixteenth after his uh, after the, after the service time deadline crosses. That's where I always thought I was going to be. Um, so again, I, I'm not surprised. I will say I am pro player all the way on this. And as you said, it's a, it's a silly system. I was hoping honestly that the Braves would start him in the majors. Um, if only because, you know, there's been a lot of the organizational mess in the last couple of months. And I was hoping beyond hope that they would, you know, in addition to it just being a lot of fun, because we all want to watch Ronald Cuba baseball. And this, the first couple of weeks of the season would be better if he was around I just wanted them kind of take the stand and say, all right, we're going to do this thing and we're going to make the player happy and potentially, you know, work on the extension, all that fun stuff. Um, You know, I'm not surprised that didn't happen. I will say that. And I'm not outraged either. I think um, that's not really the way that I am in general. I think I'm not an outraged guy either way on most things. So I'm not upset that they did this because of what you said and that, it's just kind of standard a standard operating procedure. It doesn't make it right necessarily. I, I disagree with just the way that that loophole exists, but it's kind of of course not. You know, yeah. I mean, every single the you, you, it's one of those things where if, if every single casual fan knows about the loophole, like it's not like this is something that only diehards like you and I recognize ahead of time. This is something that is openly discussed in every single platform, whether it be fantasy baseball, whether it be national baseball. I think if you polled. Every national writer, they were all assuming he was not going to start the season in Atlanta for this exact reason. And again, doesn't make it right, but it was also a very expected outcome. So I have, I have troubles, you know, bringing a whole lot of outrage to the table, even if I was actually hoping that they were going to come over the top and say, you know what, he's going to start in right field <laughs> on opening day. Uh, and that's, you know, I was hoping that's going to happen. And we're going yeah. we're, we're, we're to we're have to wait two weeks. So I don't want to I don't want to do the whole show on Acuna because we have plenty to get to on the podcast. But We had to at least start with it because it's, of course, the biggest news of the day and the biggest news in a while in Braves country. I just, you know, I disagree with the decision to keep him down, but I'm also not surprised in
1: the sliced. And look, man, you mentioned about the players' rights on the player side. I am 100% with you, right? They need to change the rules. The fact that minor league players have to take, uh, you know, part-time jobs when the season isn't going in order to pay the bills during the season because they get paid so little— it's absolutely ridiculous. They need to figure this whole thing out. And again, and uh, you know, I don't want to harp on it. Like you said, we could talk for two hours about the whole thing. But I guess I just don't blame the Braves for doing the financially smart thing of gaining another year of control. And I, I want to say too, you know, it's adding another arbitration year for Acuna, which let's say that he makes $10 million in his first year. I think that's what Brian just got, right? $10 million. And let's say he gets a $5 million increase and then another $5 million increase. So he's making $20 million in what would have been his, I guess, normally his final year. If you give him another $5 million increase, he's going to make $25 million in that extra year of team control. So it's not like the Braves are stealing him at a $500,000 salary for next year. I mean, he's going to make... 25 million who knows by 7 years from now maybe it's 30 million right i think the highest arb ever was was 22 or 23 that was just given out so it's not as if they're stealing a year of him at the league minimum i mean he's going to make 25 30 million dollars in this extra season which is presumably what he'll get when he hits the open market assuming he does at age 27 okay well if, if he's already made 75 80 million dollars in arbitration with the braves and then he's going to go make 300 million dollars on his next deal i guess i just i think he'll be okay i don't think he'll be scraping pennies to to feed himself and um again the whole overall situation sucks but and i, I get why the braves are doing it
0: yeah i'm gonna hope uh, the whole time that the braves is signed to an extension i'm gonna be uh I'm going to say that that probably doesn't happen. That's most likely not going to happen, especially if he's as good as we don't think he's going to be, then he has less incentive to do so. But if I'm the Braves, I'm uh, I'm going to be going after him pretty hard to sign an extension, a la Freddie Freeman. And we've seen now, you know, Freeman, you can't expect Acuna to be as good as Freeman is because Freeman's a top, you know, 15 player in baseball. Um, right. If he's that good, that it's, that's a huge win. But, uh, you know, at the time there was some worry that Freeman was this, you know, this big old contract that was going to be a worry. And right now it looks like this massive bargain. That's kind of what you hope with a guy like, uh, like Acuna, or you can go the situation where you know Jeff Renfro turned down the extension famously and uh, flamed out, and probably lost 50, $60, 50, 60 million dollars by turning yeah. it down. Uh, so you know that, that's a whole other podcast, but yeah, that's sort of the news of the day. And uh, we'll you know there's plenty to argue about as, as to who's going to play that second out, that third outfield spy, I should say, alongside Enciarte and Mar- Marquegas. There's fallout everywhere. We've done a lot of that stuff. I think you know the options are kind of clear. It's you know it's Preston Tucker and it's Ezekiel Carrera. Who we'll talk about in a second or Lane Adams, and it's all these options that are not sexy. And hopefully Acuna will be back. We'll, we'll be up in short. Or I can't imagine they're going to hold him beyond mid-April. There was some I read something today that was like maybe maybe they'll hold him down until mid-May, and I was like no they're not gonna do yeah. that I mean yeah. I, I can't imagine you know how bad would he have to be when that's to, to not come up pretty much immediately I just don't see that happening but yeah you know, anyway I'll, yeah uh, we all know what this was let's just that's the last thing I want to say about it is that I mean the uh, Alex Anthopoulos made a couple of quotes he didn't he didn't say anything that was terribly egregious on the radio to succeed the fan they tweeted it out it was you know he basically the excuse was they wanted to get in, into a uh, and a quote and they wanted to get into a routine of playing every day Not noting the flow of the season uh, getting into the flow uh, having more development time, no one is hurt, no one's ever been hurt by that, et cetera, et cetera. So at least they didn't go with the um, he needs to work on X part of his game right. kind of thing. Right. That would have been even more offensive. I will say though, let's just be clear on this. This is absolutely a manipulation of service time. There is there is no way they are going to tell me that he isn't their best option in the, in a core outfield spot. So that's that's the offensive part. We should at least say that on the top. Like I don't any, any spin. It's just it's just spin. It's not true. It's just what it is. Yeah. All right, we can move on from there. Uh, by the way, Dustin Peterson, so we joked about it. Is, is, was that a surprise to you that Dustin didn't come up? Because I think there was a little bit of this groundswell that he could actually make the team out of camp. Yeah, I thought it was unlikely still, but you know, this is a little bit earlier than I thought that he was going to be sent down.
1: Yeah, we talked about it. I think it's just the you know weighing him. I guess playing every other day or whatever it would have been for a couple weeks in Atlanta, and then you know if you put him on the forty man and everything like that, then he's it's just kind of a mess to bring him up for 2 or 3 weeks and then to bring him down or leave him on the bench doesn't make sense. I'd rather him play in triple every day anyway and uh, you know if he's hitting well, we I think we talked about this 2 weeks ago if if he's hitting well in July and August, I, I see no reason to I mean I see no reason to keep Markakis around now, but especially so if the Braves are kind of fading in the, you know, as the season goes on, I see no reason for him not to at least get a shot for a month or two. Kind of what they did with the Albies last year and just see see what he has, see what he can do. If, if he falters, then no harm, no foul. And if if he looks great, then, you know, maybe you go into next year with him in a corner spot. So I, I hope that's at least uh, at some point in the year, even if not at the beginning of the year happens.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, hoping to see him as well because, you know, I don't know, it's not, it's not even a slight of Marquecas at this point in time. I just like to see somebody other than him yeah. at some point in the season, unless he's good. I mean, there's a scenario in which Marquecas is just a little bit better this year and is worth playing. Uh, even in his even in his walk here, but Peterson would be at least a little bit more exciting option, especially if he's if he's tearing it up in Gwinnett. I think we're going to see him fairly soon. I'm just not sure how soon. Uh, yeah. We can move on from there. Uh, sort of the meat of this podcast is going to be the rotation preview and some bold predictions for the season and our win loss totals, that kind of stuff. Uh, a little bit of news to hit on though before we get to that. I uh, I comically asked the Braves for a pronunciation update on Luis Gohara because I uh, pronounced it <laughs> Johara and I'd heard that from a couple of people. Uh, I was wrong, they were wrong, and it is GoHara with a hard G, so my apologies for the 12 of you that told me I was an idiot. You were right, and I was wrong. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to at least update that and make fun of myself a little bit. It is it is GoHara, and uh, I will never do that wrong again, I will tell anybody else that does it wrong that you guys told me so.
1: Just call him Big Sexy.
0: That That's also a thing, and we'll talk about him a little bit more when we get to the rotation preview in a second, but I want to get that out there and make fun of myself to lighten the load a little bit. Uh, news items this week, not a whole lot going on. you know Ryan Shimp was optioned to AAA after a disastrous mini stretch in spring yeah. after he was acquired. Uh, And Ezekiel Carrera was signed to a minor league contract. It looks like he might make the team uh, sort of a journeyman outfielder. I think he's 30 years old. And also, last thing before I let you react to these, Johan Camargo is battling an oblique injury that might keep him out for as long as opening day. Um, And if he does miss opening day, there's some some fallout there. I think it's probably there's a little bit more positive updates today. He could play a little bit next week, and that would lead him towards opening day as a possibility. So those three things are out there. Do you have anything to react to?
1: Yeah, you know, I was the Shimp thing. Everyone kind of knew who he was whenever they brought him over, and but the fact that he was given away from from uh, San Diego to Tampa for not a whole lot, and then was basically given away. You know, I don't think we've still seen a dollar figure on it, but I can't imagine the cash considerations for him or much of anything. So the Braves knew what they got, and that's kind of what we looked at. It's a guy who was worth taking a chance on, but. We always knew he was going to strike out and not hit for any average and all power. But I mean when you're over for – he's what? over for 30 with 23 strikeouts in the spring or something like that? Is I that mean, is that bad, Scott? It's usually not good. I mean I think you or I could legitimately go out there and might be able to like weakly tap a ball the second, blade, well, second no, I, base. I I could not, but maybe you could. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll dust off my old uh, my old college bat and I'll see if uh, – Yeah, <laughs> I mean if you, if, you have a,
0: if you had a college bat, then you're, you're ahead of me for sure. Uh, but no, it's <laughs> – The thing with Shimp that, and one thing I'll say this in his minor defense is that this is the type of guy that's going to do that sometimes. So like, I don't think him going over for whatever he went in spring training is some red flag that he's any different than the guy we thought he was going to be already. So I don't want to say it's unfair, but yeah, it's sort of unfortunate for him because you know during the season, even when he was productive two years ago, and last year wasn't quite as good, but. He's gonna do that. A guy that has his profile is going to be the most extreme, you know, yeah. slump guy imaginable. So it's just it's bad timing for him. I wasn't surprised that they set him down because you can't you just you just can't be that bad on, on a new team with no, uh, you know, he's got no built up anything with the Braves. So yeah. if he looks like that, they're not gonna be able to keep him around. But I, I actually felt bad for him a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean it's rough, and, and he's he certainly knows the flaws in his game. And they were talking about well, what a you know it's a bench piece, but it's almost tough to even just he almost has to kind of play every day, and you just take the strikeouts and the power for what because if he comes off the bench, you know it's the whole now you know anyone who knows we talk about strikeouts are not the end all of of you know offense in Major League Baseball, but because of the strikeouts, he, he's not the guy you want to send up there to. You know, just poke the ball on the right side of the infield to advance a runner from second to third. You know, late in a tie game, right? It's. I think in that sense, it's just tough to really send him up there because, you know 70, 75 or you know seventy percent of the time or so, he's not even he's going to strike out. So or he's he's not going to put the ball in play because he strikes out thirty percent of the time or whatever his career number is.
0: So. It's it's a brutal setup for him because. I think you're right. I think the the best way to get value from a guy like that is to play him every day. But if you play him every day out of the gate in April, which was never going to happen, but you, suppose suppose that the Braves did that, he might go. He might hit 0 080 for 20 games, and yeah. at at some point you have to decide whether whether to pull him out of the lineup. And the second you do that, you just submarine yourself. So. Right. It's, it's the trouble with a guy like that is that you have to really believe he's going to be productive in the end. And you know, two years ago, if you could guarantee me that guy, that's a productive player, that you would live with the whatever it was, you know, two ten batting average or one eighty batting average, you could live with oh, that sure.
1: guy if sure. he does
0: that. But last year, you couldn't live with that guy. So mm. it's all depends on what which guy you're going to get and how hot he gets, and it's it's a tough sell. I mean, it's they picked him up for nothing, so I have no issue at all with it. And if you get into a pinch later and you have to use him, that's that's fine. But I don't know. No,
1: nothing was terribly surprising about it. It's just one of those things no. where you can't go over twenty five in spring. It's just it's probably for his best interest too to go down and you know try to figure out because if if he was so bad that the Rays, who are not looking like a World Series contender by any means, just gave him away, he he probably needs to fix some things in the swing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I just think, you know, somebody somebody to keep an eye on, but he was never that never terribly inspiring, even though I think it was only sort of a safe haven because the third base situation is so weird for the for the Braves. So to take a flyer on him. But <laughs> for the Hawks, for the Hawks I know. I'm so, I'm such a I'm such an NBA homer. But anyway, we can move on from there. What do you think about Carrera? Because he, you know, yeah. a couple of the a couple of the national guys and even the localizer are acting like he might make the team. So we have to we talk about him we haven't talked about him at all. he didn't sign until of course it was last Monday, right after the podcast. he was signed so do you have any thoughts on Carrera other than he's fairly uninspiring but he's also like I mean he's been a major leaguer for a while so that's something
1: yeah I mean compared to the other guys who are gonna take a chance in left field you know between him and Preston Tucker and and Lane Adams who up until the last couple days has really really been bad Uh, Danny Santana who we've of course talked about probably more than we should on this podcast but hey here we are um yeah i mean he's an interesting name he's he's shown that he can hit at least a little bit uh career 89 wrc plus he's had a couple of you know he's written uh, let's see 0.7 war over 130 games last year which is not good but you know he's not going to embarrass you out there his defense is not great though you know we always say he's probably not as bad as matt kemp but <laughs> which is certainly no, not nobody good is nobody is he's one of a kind so other than that, maybe uh,
0: maybe maybe evan gattis yeah. Have been remember when they game. started
1: him in left field in a playoff game?
0: I, I do remember that. That's why I brought it up. Oh, by the way, I, this actually reminds me. This is a Ryan Shep thing, but he got a uh, he got a comparison of Brooks Conrad this week that made me laugh aloud.
1: Ooh. Yeah.
0: And it was not a favorable one. It was. Uh, Poor
1: Brooks, man. Yeah, that I, guy, I feel he, bad for Brooks, but. Yeah, they, he should have never been in the game after his first night with all the errors. I don't want.
0: I don't want to talk about it. I, yeah. I can't. I, it's, a, it's a sensitive subject.
1: Dark times. Let me just say anyway, that Diori <laughs>
0: Hernandez was on the bench ready to go. And they did. Should have had Deore again. Uh, okay, sorry, moving on.
1: <laughs> but anyway, so I, I think Trin Carrera and Adams and Santana and Preston Tucker again, they're going to be called on to play regularly for about two weeks. And then once Acuna comes up, I'd imagine they keep one on the bench, maybe two. But again, it's just they're just not going to see a lot of playing time once once uh, once Ronald comes up.
0: Yeah, I, I I can't imagine that they're going to play a lot. So, I mean, it's two weeks, a two-week timetable for somebody to play. Somebody's got to play left field for two weeks. So, we don't know who it's going to be yet. I think it's going to be a combination of guys. I can't imagine they're going to just play one guy for two weeks. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I think I'm not. We'll see. Um, all right, let's get uh, let's get on with the uh, rotation preview because I, – I, I don't care. One more, sorry, one more question. What happens, if, <laughs> what happens if Camargo doesn't start the season on the opening day roster? What What happens if, what happens if he's not healthy because – I guess it's some combination of Culberson and Rio, Rio Ruiz. If yeah, I mean Rio wasn't he, even going to make the team, in my opinion, necessarily. But maybe he will now. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I know Bowman said that he he has at least a chance that he's starting to hit a little bit better. I would imagine it's Ruiz, and he's already on the 40 man, so it's not like they have to make room for him for three days or something like that. If if Camargo misses the opening series with the Phillies, so but yeah, I'd imagine Rio maybe if if there was a really Tough lefty, which I don't. I mean, the Phillies don't really have. Then uh, maybe Culberson at third, but I don't. I don't really think it's going to be an issue. I think it's one of those. I mean, obliques—you always have to be careful because all it takes is one bad tweak and you're out for a month or two. Oh, but I
0: hate obliques. It's
1: yeah, the they're, they're dangerous. I mean, you know, it's a very serious thing for him. Mean, I'm sure of all the injuries that hitters get over a year's time, oblique probably yeah. cost them more than just about anything. But hopefully, it's it's you know they're able to just kind of. Bring along Camargo slowly. Let him get a game or two in next week, and then have him ready to go on Thursday.
0: Yeah, you don't want an oblique—that's for sure. Uh, we'll keep an eye on him, but uh, it's not like devastating news or anything like that. But he's the best option of the guys we've named. we you know, even I'm not the biggest fan necessarily of his upside, but he's a better player at least from what we know than some of the other options. So that yeah. hurts early on in the season. Uh, okay, to the rotation preview. Um, we saved this one for last, um, knowing that. There probably isn't a whole lot of uh, you know debate on the first, on the first few spots, and even actually today, um, a lot of news came out. Actually, uh, Julio Teheran was named the opening, opening day starter. No big surprise there. It was sort of a no-brainer. By the way, this is gonna be the, five, the fifth straight, and he'll be the first the first guy ever to have five straight, which is insane. Um, and then you have the guys who are other locks. You have you know Fultonevich, McCarthy, Sean Newcomb. And, there's the fifth, and then there's the fifth spot. So first, does anything surprise you about the, uh, I guess the, I guess sort of the pseudo order came out? I don't really care about that necessarily, but anything yeah. surprise you there? And then we can get into the fifth starter spot.
1: No, nothing really. I mean, I think it, it's kind of crazy that it's been five straight for Julio Tehran, which is, I mean, it's the first time ever in Atlanta, his, Atlanta Braves history that someone started five straight. And you think about some of the pitchers and... It looks like he joins Necro Maddox and uh, Rick Mahler as uh, the only others to start five opening days, which is kind of cool. So, um, no, nothing really. I know they we t- we kind of joked about him saying that Newcomb wasn't guaranteed a spot, and I think it would have taken something just really crazy for it. He's looked, he's had a good yeah. spring. What a, what a and, surprise
0: that, that Newcomb's going to start the season in rotation. Who could have ever seen that coming, Scott?
1: Right. Yeah, and it's it's similar to the faulty stuff last year. You knew he was going to be in the rotation, but for whatever reason, they like to push the young guys. Um. All in all, it's been a good spring for the pit. I mean, Julio's been quite good. I think he's only given up is it four runs in 26 innings now. Um. You know, fulty has been seemingly. Uh. You know, he's kind of cleaned up his mechanic. I was watching his start the other day, and he really has kind of quieted down a few things with his windup. He still kind of winds up, but it's it's basically a windup which is directly into the stretch, which is kind of interesting. So um but no i mean no real surprises we all know that brandon mccarthy has been good when he's healthy you hope he can throw 130 150 innings um and then newcomb is who he is if he can just cut the walks a little bit he can he can be a successful big leaguer for for a long time whether or not he'll be able to do that is obviously uh, one of the big questions for the upcoming year
0: yeah it's definitely a concern um but yeah i don't know i mean it's tough to like break down these guys any more than we already have in some ways, but you know, Julio is sort of the X factor, weirdly, because you think you'd be the safe guy that you could project, but you kinda of don't know where you're gonna get out of him. He's been good in the spring, but he was not good last year. He's been hot and cold at times in his career. Yeah. I mean, what are you thinking for him as a baseline? I know it's kind of impossible to project what he's gonna be, which is a weird spot for your number one starter, but is he do you have faith that he's gonna be a top, not I almost say top of the rotation. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be that, but is, is he going to be a solid number two ish kind of picture, which is what he's been in the past. Or is he going to be the number four or five guy that he was last
1: year? Yeah. If, if he can hit, you know, a three win mark, that'd be great. I mean, I was just looking at his fan graphs page. So the last four years, he had a 3.2 war in 2014. He was at 1.1 in 2015. It was 3.2 in 2016 and it was 1.1 in 2017. So you're right, he's he seems like a consistent guy, but he really hasn't been on a year-to-year basis, which is just kind of weird and kind of crazy how consistent he's been every other year. So, you know, if, if he can, what was his ERA last year? Four five, four point five, and then a, almost a five FIP. If he can bring those down to like a four point four point two, I think that's a, a step forward. And then you know, it's again, he's always been a guy who's outperformed his FIP. Is a career three fifty nine ERA and a four zero six FIP. If, Obviously, if he kind of split the difference on those two and be around a 3.8, 3.9, I think it'd be, a, it'd be great, especially if he throws the 180, 200 innings, he yeah. always does. So if, if he can put up number two, number three starters, numbers for the Braves, I think it'll go a long way towards uh, getting them towards the kind of the 500 season that everyone's looking for them to be this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's 27. There's no reason to think he can't be pretty good here. But, you know, the last two last four seasons, 3.2 war, 1.1 more, 3.2 war. 1.1 WAR. So hopefully 3.2 WAR guy again, and that is not that simple. I know, but you know the projection systems don't hate him. You know Zips has him somewhere around the you know I guess 1.7 um, wins by replacement Steamer a little bit lower 1.3. Either one of those are a disaster, but he needs to be better than that for the Braves to have any chance to flirt with what they think that what you know with what fans think they think they can actually do this year. Like he has to be good for them to win 80. If they if you want to get optimistic, and we'll talk about that at the end of the pod. But that's that's a pivot point. If he's not good, you're in some trouble. I think. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep an eye on him. Obviously, Julio is not the sexiest guy to talk about because we kind of know what he is, but at the same time, we don't know what he is. It's kind of a it's a weird um, scenario all the way around because you don't want your number your number one guy to be as inconsistent as he's been the last four years. But here yeah. we are.
1: How many right? Like how many big league starters with a thousand career innings in the big leagues? You know, you ask him to kind of explain him, and you can't really do it with Julio. You know, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not. He usually gives up homers, but then maybe it was just a product of the new park. And he usually strikes out guys, and it depends if he walks people right. Like it's you can't summarize him in a you know in, in a couple words, which I would imagine isn't the case. Like you know, if you ask me to describe Gio Gonzalez, it's a lot easier than kind of recapping Julio's career so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just weird. I I think the guy that we saw that um I don't want to say was lucky that he had the ERA that he had when he was very, very good a couple of years ago in the high twos. That's not a realistic ups outcome, I don't think, anymore. When he went, you know, back to back years, he had a three point two ERA and a two point eight nine ERA. I'm not expecting that anymore, but if you can give if you can give me the guy that throws a that has a you know a low to mid threes ERA, that's on the table. I don't think he's necessarily there yet. I th- and I think I think I think it was even I can't remember who I was talking about this one in the pocket. It might have been Benderonio. Ben it was one of those things where we talked about um, Julio being hurt badly by the juice ball right now because I think he's a perfect kind of pitcher that was never going to be this dominant strikeout guy. Doesn't miss a ton of bats, and that kind of guy is going to be really bitten by what we all know is a juice baseball. So if he can't adjust to that, especially at Central Park, we saw that you know the ball flying out of there a little bit at times last year, especially when he was pitching it. Um, if he, you know, it's a real possibility that he's just not very good anymore and even it's funny even with what he did last year he would still be a value on his contract because he's just that low paid but the massive value that we all thought he was going to be is out the door if
1: he's just that guy yeah 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 he's he's an interesting guy i think I, I tweeted maybe a week or two ago you know his season will i think go a long ways as to how the braves as a whole go um and i'm not necessarily you know saying as as julio goes the braves go but if he has you mentioned the you know the ability or at least in the past he's posted ERA's in the low threes, over 200 innings. I mean, if he could, if he could do that, it, w- it would be huge for the Braves. I mean, oh, you yeah. talk about getting them to 80, 82 wins. It's hard to imagine the Braves getting to 80 or 82 wins without Julio having one of his better seasons.
0: Totally agree. And we can probably leave it there because I think he's a pivot point to be sure. Um, the other two guys who are... The young guys, I guess, that are you know guaranteed spots are Fulte and Newcomb. You know, Newcomb, again, Brian Snicker said he's basically in the rotation. Not a big surprise there, but the jury is out. We kind of all know what the deal is there. If Newcomb can throw strikes, then he's going to be pretty good, and if he can't, he won't be. Um, Fulte is a little bit more interesting to me because I think this is kind of a big year for Fulte. We said that last year. I think he was a little bit better, but there were still times when he was frustrating yeah same sort of question with Julio in some ways, and he's by the way, he's not that much younger than Julio, which is weird to say out loud, but faulty's twenty five like he's not like this spring chicken necessarily, so what are you expecting because that's if I think of everybody in the rotation, faulty is the guy that i we've seen him be a competent major league starter, and that is big because those guys do have value, but if he's gonna make a jump, it's probably gonna be this year, I'd imagine
1: yeah, yeah, I mean this would be. It'll be a second full year, and I guess in terms of starts, it would probably be his, his third season. Now, obviously, you know, he had those two kind of half years. Um, yeah, it's this time last year, he was kind of the trendy guy to be picked to, as a breakout, and he didn't have a bad year. You know, he threw 150 innings. ERA was a little high at 4.79, but his FIP was at 4.3. Um, you know, his walks increased a little bit from, from the past year at 3.45 3. per nine, which wasn't great, but... He struck out nearly a batter an inning, which is which is certainly encouraging. And you touched on it's just the consistency thing. I mean, he would go six or seven starts and and, and give up you know less than three runs in all of them, and, and go six plus innings in all of them, and then he would just follow it up with with a start where he can't get out of the second inning. And it seems like that was kind of the whole season for him. And he would have four, five, six really solid starts and and look like a guy who could be a number three starter, and then he would have back to back starts where he would just kill the bullpen because he couldn't make it out of the second inning. And I think just that's kind of where the Braves' frustration have gone with him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. It seems like a big year. If we're having this same conversation about we don't really know what pitcher he is this time next spring, it's, it's probably not a good thing for his long-term outlook. So, um, you know, hopefully he's, he's 26 as well, which tends to kind of be the start of pitchers' primes or nearing it at least. So, um, I, I'm a faulty fan I want to believe we've all seen him you know in Oakland he was three outs away from a no hitter he's had nights where hitters just can't touch him at all and then he's had other nights where he gives up I mean he's just getting rocketed all over the place and, and can't throw a strike other than a fastball down the middle so he's, he's an interesting guy and you just hope that it all clicks and he, he kind of turns into the number two or number three starter everyone thought he could be coming up in the with the Astros.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I actually misspoke. spoke. Fulte is 26 already, and he's less than a year younger than Julio Tehran. Can you imagine hmm. that? That would yeah. that'd be a good bar question for a lot, for Braves fans who have no clue that he's just that young, that, that little in terms of the age difference there between Fulte and Julio. Uh, I mean, again, like we've had this conversation before, but he, he was still worth 1.8. What's above, what's above replacement last year? Like, He's a very fine fourth starter right now. Um, I think he can be better than that, but again, the age is not everything, but with his makeup, you're going to have to have it happen soon. And you know, the walks going up last year is a little bit concerning in some ways, but his stuff was playing up at times and it's the inconsistency. When he's good, he's good, when he's not, he's not. And that happens with everybody to some degree, but he's going to have to just have a light come on here and hopefully he does it because, you know, as we're going to talk about, you're going to have to at least have three or four of these guys put up quality seasons to have any chance to do what Braves fans are hoping they're going to do. And Fulty yeah. is one of the safer ones you'd imagine because he just did it in some way. Like it wasn't like he was great in 2017, but he at least flashed the ability to be a good major league starter. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and Newcomb, I mean, you might have more to say on I, I'm kind of just Newcomb'd out. I think, you know,
1: we'll see if he can throw strikes. That's kind of where I am with it. Yep. Throw strikes. Don't walk everybody. Get ahead of hitters, which is obviously easier said than done. But if he can do that, he's a number three starter. If he can't, I, you know, if he repeats over the full season and walks more than five batters per nine, I'm just not sure he's a legitimate big league starter moving forward, just because he's going to absolutely kill the bullpen, you know, because he can't, he doesn't really throw more than five or even six innings per start. So I I think we're, I'm with you. Going to have newcomb fatigue, which is crazy considering he's only been in the majors for half a year, but it's been the exact same story since the day he was traded for. So. I guess I we'll mean, see what
0: he does. yeah, Zips projects him. This is a hilarious Zips projection. Uh, 31 starts, 153 innings. That's yeah. less than five <laughs> innings to start. Uh, yeah. 10.1 K per nine is great. 5.75 walks per nine.
1: Yeah. yeah he, at that point, he's, he's like a glorified long man. I mean, if
0: he does that, if he walks, if he walks almost six guys per nine, he's not going to make 31 starts. I will wager anything on that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if he again, I've said this before, but if he can live in the even in the four walk per nine range, he won't be great. But he can be he can be a serviceable major league starter at in the four walk per nine range. If he walks five per nine, he can't be. That's kind of where I am. Yeah. So it seems like a, a small difference, but it's not. Uh, it's just not. So it'll tell you a lot. And again, I don't want to overreact to the small staple last year, but in the minors he couldn't throw strikes either. And if you can't, I mean, even when he got to the Braves, the two years he spent in the Braves organization in the minor leagues. He was still walking almost five per nine in the minors, and that's yeah. that's hard to even do, frankly. Yeah, his
1: best walk rate in the upper level of the minors was four point five six in Double oh. A in twenty sixteen. So, and that's bad. I mean, I mean, that's flatly bad. Like, right? But it would be. But if he does that over you know thirty starts or whatever this year, that would be a marked improvement for him. I oh mean, yeah, that, and
0: I just don't think like I just don't think you can actually project that. I mean. Walking four and a half guys per nine in Double A is like walking six and a half in the majors. Yeah, I mean it's, that, that's a, that's approximate, but you got to really be missing to walk four and a half guys per nine in in Double A. Guys, mm-hmm. guys got to be going, go, going up to the plate thinking he's not going to throw me a strike. Because yeah. if anything, you always see walk rates go up when they get guys go up to the majors, and if that doesn't happen, it's, ooh, Sean Newcomb. Sorry. Yeah. Hopefully that hopefully <laughs> the light comes on. Uh, I saw him pitch a little bit. Um, I've not seen a ton of spring training, candidly, but he didn't look awful. In the one start I saw, I think it was earlier. Was it over the weekend? I think I saw him. I yeah, he against, uh, yeah, he started
1: against. Yeah, he started. Yeah, he he pitched pretty well. Against Three walks. The, yeah, and you know, but part of it too. Well, and it was the game that Ryan Schimpf had two errors at their base. So, you know, again, you can whether credit or blame defense for a lot of things, but uh, just watching that game, and I know they always say don't scout the the box score too much with spring training, but he should have had an easier time with it. If Schimpf doesn't make, I mean, one of them was a, was a kind of a tricky hop, but the other one was just a boot. Uh, and then there were a couple balls that were hit right at sh- or into the shortstop hole that I think was Charlie Culberson there at short who couldn't get to him. So, um, yeah, but again, you touched on walks or walks. You can't walk three guys in, in five innings or whatever he did or else he's just not gonna, it's just not going to last.
0: No, it is, uh, almost certainly not going to last. Um, Okay, the other, the other sort of segment here that we can hit on is the old guys, and that is Brandon McCarthy and Scott Casimir. Uh, McCarthy is a lock to the rotation, no question about it. As long as he's healthy, he'll be around unless he just implodes, which he doesn't usually do. It's either he's hurt or he's good. Uh, Casmir, is another question. It looks like he's probably going to be the number, number five starter to open the season because, because of Gohar's injury. Um, I mean, Casmir is you know wholly uninspiring. I will say, but maybe, I mean, I don't know. You, I think you, I saw you tweeting about this a little bit uh, earlier today. I think it says more about the other options than it does about Kazmier that he's actually going to be in rotation, but maybe the whole, Braves can sneak some uh, value out of him. I mean, they're paying him, so might as well give him a shot, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, right. It, it probably makes sense to see what Kazmier can do, and if, you know, he gets lit up in the fifth game, or I guess it'd be the tenth game of the season or whatever it falls on, then so be it. I mean, we all know why they did that trade. Um, you know, we whether it's Kazmier, I think I tweeted this earlier too. It's, it's kind of sad that between the three of, of Matt Whistler, Aaron Blair and Lucas Sims, not one of them could win out the fifth starter spot over Scott Kazmier. And we'll talk about Anibal uh, Sanchez here in a minute, but the fact that none of those three could win a rotation spot from, you know, Kazmier who's basically hasn't really pitched in the last couple of years because of various injuries and can't, you know, his fastball was reportedly 84 to 86. It's kind of sad. It's kind of a bummer because, you know, Whistler and Blair were former top 100 prospects, right? And they just, you know, Blair, who knows what went wrong there. And I just don't think Whistler has the stuff to get big leaguers out consistently. So kind of a shame there. But if it's Casimir, if it's, if it's Anibal Sanchez, you know, hopefully Gohara's back by the beginning of May and it's only for two or three starts and Um, but either way, not, not an ideal situation.
0: Yeah. shouts to Anibal Sanchez, who I never thought would be in my life, but (laughs) here he is. Um, I mean, I'm fine with that. He's not very good and he's, you know, hasn't been very good for a while, but it's another arm. And yeah, I think, you know, it does say plenty about Whistler and Blair. I will say, you know, Blair, I still have some faint hope in the deep bowels of my soul about Aaron Blair. I don't know yeah. why, but... Even if a reliever. Yeah, it's about just somewhere. I don't know why that is necessarily. Whistler, I've kind of just given up. I mean, maybe maybe he can be an effective long man, but that's going to be it for me. Um, I, I wanted to like Matt Whistler, and I kind of did for a while, but I just don't I don't see it, honestly. Yeah. Blair at least has stuff that you could envision playing up in a bullpen role, whereas Whistler doesn't really have that even. Yeah. Um, all right, we can get off the rotation, but I mean, overall, is this... I'm not going to ask you to rank them because that's that's t- t- take some research. But is this a bottom ten rotation in major leagues? Like, where I guess this, yeah. where, where's the baseline I mean, at for them? That's kind of the question. I think
1: if if Kahara can get healthy and is similar to the guy he was last year, I think there's at least some upside now. If I was a betting man, I, I'd say it's probably a bottom ten rotation. Um, but there's at least you know they're not throwing out Bartolo and Dickey again. At least they're letting you know, in theory, Fulte and Newcomb and Gahara start 25, 30 games and see what they can do. It wouldn't surprise me if they crept into the kind of, I guess, the the lower teens. if they were in the 15 to 20 range. If if Julio bounces back and Gahara uh, can get healthy and, and makes, you know, 15, 20 starts and Newcomb takes a little bit of a step forward and Fulte becomes a little more consistent. Obviously, you know, we touched on McCarthy. He was quite good last year before, uh, before he started having some health issues. So, yeah, I mean the smart the smart bet is probably in that you know twenty to twenty-five range, but if they were up into the fifteen-twenty range overall, i it wouldn't it wouldn't be a huge surprise, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean I think the high end outcome, if you look at just if everybody hits perfectly, which is never gonna happen. But if Julio's a three-win pitcher, if Fulty and Nukem are two-ish win pitchers, and McCarthy is healthy for twenty starts even, like it's yeah. conservative. Then this is a and, and, and Gohara has I think the highest upside of them all this year. If you if you were to ask Easy. me, if you were to ask me, even for I mean, ultimately I think it's a no-brainer. I think even even for 2018, I think he has the highest upside, which is a, maybe not controversial, but I don't know. He's just so young that it's, it'd be a surprise if he was that good. But yeah, if you take the high end outcome of all five guys, then sure, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, right. Uh, and for me, it's a it's a concern that they don't have much depth i mean all the all the all the exciting depth is all the super young guys you your, soroka, yeah, yeah. your soroka's and that that guy those guys everybody between the majors and those guys is not it's not inspiring it's whistler and yeah. it's animal sanchez and it's aaron blair and those guys are not inspiring yeah so,
1: i mean hopefully that i mean the goal obviously is soroka pitches well in triple a as a 21 year old i mean he was obviously good and double a as a 20 year old so you hope it kind of carries over into triple a when he's 21. If, if he can be as good as people think, I know he had a great spring and was it the, the AL scout who said he could be maybe the second or third best pitcher on the team. Now, you know, ideally Brandon McCarthy pitches well, and then you're able to, to ship him off to a team in need of a starter. And then you bring up Soroka in June or July. That that's kind of best case scenario. Um, cause yeah, I mean, it, it, the future, as you said, is it's kind of nearing the upper tier. I know Kyle Wright is likely to start in, in double a, um, so you hope that this time next year you're talking about Soroka in the rotation. You talk about Kyle Wright, if not in the rotation, knocking on the door. Uh, you know, who knows what Colby Allard does this year. There's certainly a wide range of opinions on him. So at least at least the guys that you're you're kind of hoping you're going to be good are going to be in the double and triple-A levels. You know, you're not talking about, um, you know, guys who are 18 years old and in A-ball who are at least three years away. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs>
0: Oh, there's a scenario in which the rotation looks a lot different in, like, August. Yeah. Which um, would be fun. It would gonna... be fun. It would also mean that the Braves are probably bad. That'd that that that'd be more. Yeah. That'd be where I'd say. If, if, if all these guys, or even a couple of these guys, are up into August, I'm assuming it's because guys in front of them either got hurt, which isn't great, or are, were just bad. And that's, you know, there are, pros, there are pros and cons. It'd be a lot of fun to watch Mike Soroka every day, or every fifth day. But until then, you know, your yeah. guard has to be up a little bit. So... Yeah, that probably exhausted on the rotation. I will say it's not the most inspiring group in the world. Although, again, it could be good. I, I like Brandon McCarthy. I'll say that out loud. Like, I think Brandon McCarthy, if he's healthy, it's the full sentence with Brandon McCarthy. Like, he's usually good when he's healthy. He was good last year. It's a diff- different yep. role, but I think you can expect him to be a competent pitcher when he is healthy. And it's just you're praying for his health, for his health to continue. And by the way, he's a prime trade guy. Like, yeah. if he's healthy oh, he's, in he, June, yeah. July, you flip him. It's just what mm-hmm. you do. Unless yeah. you're in the race, which, again, we'll talk about that now. Let's just talk about that now. Um, so, this is gonna, just for a little bit of background. This will be my last podcast until opening day, unless the world ends, because I am traveling internationally next week, so I'm going to miss opening day. Uh, I will be out of the country, and uh, as a result, it'll be very difficult to record a podcast out of the country. Um, maybe if something crazy happens, you get a trade, or something wild, in a, you know, free a free, free knock on wood, something like that, I might do a solo pod, but... We'll play on this being the last, last podcast until opening day. So, with that said, we got to we got to do some predictions, and that means uh, before we get to the win loss projections, anything you have in terms of bold predictions, um, lineup wise, rotation wise, you're you're famous for these. So, I'm I'm excited <laughs> about what you come up what, what you can come up with.
1: Um, I don't know if it's bold. I think I think Ozzy Alves is going to have a, a huge year. I, I'm. Such a fan of his and everything from last year's screen. So I don't, I don't know. Is calling for a, a 2020 season from 21 year old Ozzy Albies is that bold?
0: It's not no, bold don't. if you believe fantasy baseball projections because he's like in the top hundred now places, which yeah. I find crazy. But yeah, I mean, it, I think it probably is bold because he's so young. But I think it's almost becoming the consensus, which is scaring me a little bit, to be honest with you. But I love yeah. uh, uh, what, yeah. what Ozzy no can So yeah, I, I, if, you, if you said 25, 25, that probably gets you to bold territory if you want to go there.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot of I'm trying, you know, I'm running through, and I guess you know Freddie Freeman being in the MVP hunt, but he was last year before the broken wrist, so um, yeah, it's it's tough. There's not a lot. I mean, I guess Dansby Swanson will be better, but it would be tough to imagine him uh, being worse than he was last year. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not sure. I'll, I guess. I'll say this: I'll say Ender Inciarte has the best offensive season of his career and becomes a five-win player.
0: Ooh, I like that. Um, that's a good one. I think I have two. Freddie Freeman finishes top f- three in MVP, MVP voting. Okay. And Dansby Swanson is a two and a half win shortstop.
1: That would be that would be excellent. Would be, um, those would
0: be my two offensively. I will say those are my, 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 my those are my bold predictions. Everybody else, like, I mean, saying Ronald Acuna is a is a three win player right away is not a bold prediction. Like he could easily right. do that. Um yeah. And everybody else, I mean, Ozzy, I think for me to for it, for it to become bold, you have to go so high that I'm just not willing to do that. And catcher, I'm thinking regression is going to ha- happen. Unfortunately for those guys, um, just because almost has to after last year, or so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm higher on Dan's than the consensus, so I'll say, you know, I think two and a half wins is just kind of a guess, but I think he's going to be a pleasant surprise for some people. I
1: think it's good that he is going to be under the radar because oh, he's definitely under know, the radar. I mean, it's all once, all Ozzy yeah. and Ronald Acuna right now, so right, and even Freddie Freeman. You know, we talk about Freddie being in the MVP hunt. You know, if we're getting those articles written about, you know the the MVP candidate no one's talking about in Atlanta. I think that's great for Dansby because, yep. you know, he, uh, Jerry Krasnick, if, if people didn't see it, Jerry Krasnick had a good write-up on Dansby. And, um, you know, just talking to him about last year, and you, know, you talk about he opens the year batting second. He's the hometown kid. He's the player the Braves kind of gave up their biggest trade asset for with the Shelby Miller, and he's the local boy. He played in college ball in the SEC, which everyone knows him from. You know, he has the – Uh, you know, he has the good face, his, his face is all over billboards and, you know, in Atlanta. And then he had the terrible year and it's easy to just kind of see as a 23 year old going through his first big league season, just all the, I guess, stuff that can go wrong. So I I think it'll be great for him to be the under the radar, not all eyes on him. If he goes 0 for 4, it's not the article about what's wrong with Danzy Swanson. It's, you know, how great does Ronald Acuna look after going two for four with a Homer and a steal.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to take the pressure off immensely, which is good because he needs that yeah. after last year, and uh, hopefully he'll bounce back in a big way. Um, do you have a bold pitching, pitching prediction? If I asked that before, I, before I let you cook on, on on that in general, I have one. I guess I have a question for you: Who is going to finish with the highest uh, what's above replacement what's
1: in the rotation this year? Mm. I will say war. If Gahara was healthy, I would pick him. But since he's going to miss a month, I'll say that it's faulty.
0: I am taking Julio. Okay. Which seems safe yet also daring. I don't know why, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I actually am tempted to take McCarthy, frankly, but I think I think the, the trade possibility is what scares me off, even even as much as the injury stuff, because I think right, uh, I do like him quite a bit. But I will say faulty. I mean, I, it's not faulty. You'll say faulty. I will say. Julio, and we'll uh, we'll gamble on that later. In the uh, I'll say the
1: uh, let, let me go bold. I'll say that AJ Minter has twenty saves this year. Ooh, I dig that.
0: Um, it does feel bold, but I'm not even sure that it is. I think he's going to be the closer by June. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's because the Reuters got traded. But I think yeah, he, or
1: gets hurt. He has a little bit of history. Yes. So up.
0: we'll see. I mean, that's yeah, that, that qualifies as bold. I don't think I even have a bold prediction for pitching other than yeah saying Julio's going to lead is not bold uh Mike Soroka makes at least seven starts
1: hmm. yeah I think that does that, that even be,
0: qualify as bold
1: I'm not I sure mean I, I kind of think well let's see I mean if, if he's called up after the all-star break let's say that whoever either is traded or they just say hey we're going to pitch Soroka that would be what two months worth of starts that's how many starts do you make a month? 5, 6 depending on how the day shake okay, out. Okay, uh,
0: let me say this. He'll be up by August 1st. Is that is that is that more bold than seven starts? Yeah, I like
1: that. I like that. Cuz he's only 21. I mean, if he wasn't if he wasn't the 20-year-old who spent all of, you know, last season in Double-A, it's why wow, you're projecting, you know, a 21-year-old pitcher in the bigs by August 1. that just doesn't really happen. But It
0: doesn't. It doesn't happen. But uh Yeah, I'm in. Like that. I'm in for I like it. That. I don't know why, but I'm here I am. Uh, and I mean, I do know why he's a monster, but uh, it would be bold, and I would, I would really appreciate it. And then the day, the day that he's called up, Eric's going to be just insufferable, and it's going to be hmm. great. Uh, I'm going to really enjoy that performance from Eric. Um, anyway, well, I think we pretty much done it, and except for the fact that we have to pick um, some win projections. So that's just what we get to do. I think I hate this exercise this year, especially yeah. for some reason, because I just don't know what's going to happen. Not that yeah. we ever do, because you can't, predict, you can't predict baseball, but. I'll let you go first. Um, bring the hammer. I think it's, it's, again, very difficult because we don't know who's going to get traded. We have to assume yeah. nothing happens between now and opening day because it's still late enough um, slash early enough where they could go sign Greg Holland. They could do some crazy thing and go make a trade. It's not like out of the realm of possibility. But knowing what we know now only,
1: where are we at? I'm going to say I think my final one will be 79 and 83. I think 79-83, I think they'll be better at the end of the year. Like if I think these first early month or so might be a little rough, just because they've already said that they want to see uh, some of the the veterans or the guys who are out of options at least play. And those probably aren't the best players on the roster. You're obviously going to get you know two weeks of Acuna to start. Um, so I'll say seventy nine and eighty three, but they are. A five hundred or better team in like August and September.
0: Oh, uh, okay, yeah, I'm
1: I'm in with that.
0: Um, I honestly think I was gonna say seventy nine. So I'm gonna say seventy eight mm. and eighty four. Um, my f- I think floor wise, it could get. I could this team could be pretty ugly. I think people are you know this is what fans do. They're Ignoring the floor and highlighting the ceiling, I think I've heard a lot more talk about how this team could win eighty, eighty, eighty-one, eighty-two games than I have about this team winning 69, 70 games. And I think those those outcomes are e- are equally likely, in my opinion.
1: I think because they were what they won seventy-two last year. I believe seventy-two that's and it... ninety. It's hard to imagine just with how bad you know how bad Bartolo was, and they were really kind of scattering you know, for, for back. Freeman was fishing. hurt for a while and all that right. stuff. Right. Yeah, Freddie and, and um, you know, Matt Kemp was obviously not good. Um, the bullpen, the first two or three months of the year was, Ugh. I mean, absolutely awful. I mean, I think Josh <laughs> in like seven games was a negative one play, or negative one war. Like he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball last year in a value standpoint. It was bad. And he, he pitched like seven games. <laughs> Bartolo was right there with him. So, You know, I think the difference between McCarthy compared to Cologne and I, you know, I think Ozzie Albee, you know, Brandon Phillips was not bad last year, but I think Ozzy has a, certainly a higher ceiling and and upside than he does. Um, Acuna, obviously a much, much higher ceiling than what Matt Kemp was in left field or whoever it was they were throwing out there. Um, You mentioned Freddie being out for six, seven, eight weeks with a broken wrist, if he can stay healthy. I mean, Uh, I can, I can give you the, the
0: positives back though. I mean, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, but I can also tell you that the Braves got five wins from their catchers last yeah. year, for instance, uh, and Ozzy was lights out when he came up, and he was you know, worth a, what, a win and a half, something like that. Camargo was really good, probably better than you'd expect him to be. You had the Matt Adams run when he was unconscious for a couple yeah. of weeks and months. I mean, there's there's positives and negatives. I do think, though, sure. I, th- I think what you're saying is true in that it would be a surprise to me if they were worse than last year, but I think... It would not be any more surprising if, than if they won 80-plus games. Like, yeah. And it's just what, it's what fans do. And, and again, I, I'm projecting 78 wins, so that would be a 6-win improvement. I'm not like, It's not like I'm crapping on them or thinking that it's going to be some disaster of a season. But right. I think there are more disaster outcomes than people want to believe that there are. Because, by the way, as good as Acuna has been in the spring, he could also be bad. He's 20. Like, it would yeah. not be the biggest surprise in the world if he was not good early. I mean, we just saw what Danzy Swanson did last year for a full season, and he had a lot more reps in the high minors, and a right. lot more... I mean, he was older. Granted, he wasn't quite the same prospect hype as Acuna, but number one overall draft pick, like, he was pretty hyped.
1: Um, right. So, like, spring training. Yeah, spring training pitching, you know, is so much different. different. I mean, like, they're not scouting your video beforehand. On, the pitchers aren't figuring out how they're going to attack Acuna. It's... Well, I'm going to throw 25 fastballs, 15 curves, and 15 change-ups, and I'm going to try to get through five innings today.
0: I think he's going to be good, but I think it's at least worth saying out loud that he may not
1: be right sure. away.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's one possibility that you just don't hear anything about, which I totally get because, again...
1: Kind of the devil's advocate side of it. Yeah,
0: I mean, it just has to be said out loud. It's, just, it's, a, it's a possible range of outcomes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll go 78. I've, what's your ceiling? Like your realistic, no hmm. like voodoo ceiling,
1: um, like 80, 84 wins, like kind of what the Brewers did last year. You know, just I mean the National League Wild race is really going to be loaded for just with everybody. It's really a top heavy. So I think best case is eighty three or eighty four wins, and that that includes you know, as we talked about Freddie Freeman being an MVP candidate. Julio Tehran bounces back. He gets steps forward from Fulte and Newcomb um Gohara can get healthy and pitch well obviously you know Ozzy and and Acuna have really big years Dansby bounces back I mean that's the bullpen is better than what people are kind of thinking so I think 84 or so would be absolute best case scenario but you know 12 wins in a baseball season is huge especially when you know it's different if they would have gone out and tried to make some win now moves but obviously they didn't do much of anything to do that this winter so um, I think best case would be 84 wins and fall a couple games short of a wild card spot. But I think they're going to hover right around that that kind of 500 mark, maybe fade just below. But um, yeah, I'll say 84. What about you?
0: Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I think, I don't know. It's just how realistic I want to be. I think with this current roster, you, you probably need some help from the younger guys to get to 84. Like you probably need uh, you probably need either perfect health or rotation, uh, you know, Gohar going crazy. Acuna being like a four, one player right away. Like you need some real breaks, but I guess it's, it's conceivable.
1: Yeah. Like so, if yeah. Acuna had Jason Hayward's rookie season, which was like six wins or was it? Five yeah. And a half? Uh, he, he, you know,
0: yeah. by the way, that's also a reasonable outcome. I don't want to be the pain as the guy who's crapping around Acuna. Like he could no. see, he could seriously be a five, one player right away. Like that's also an Easy. outcome. That's his
1: defense and base running. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, there's so much wiggle room. I think more, this year probably more than even the past couple of years, they have all these young guys that, not that they're boom or bust, but Dansby might just be bad. That's, that's conceivable. Like, he might just be the, ba- the guy we saw last year, and that would suck, but it's, it's in play. Also, or also he could be a three-win player. Ozzie could be the guy we saw last year who was awesome, or he could have the Dansby season. Acuna could be a five- or six-win swing based on... number of factors which seems insane to say out loud but i think it just it's it's conceivable so yeah i'll say 84 is probably reasonable for upside and i think for floor without you know without projecting like massive injury i'll say 70 70 71 as as floor i mean they won 72 last year this team on paper is better but not so much better that they couldn't repeat what they
1: did last sure and injuries happen too i mean what if I mean, God forbid Freddie Freeman gets seriously hurt and Ender gets seriously hurt. Well, that's how you talk about really bad, see, you know, seasons going off the rail in a hurry. Because, you know, as we all know, there's just. I mean, I guess you move Acuna to center and figure out left field at that point. You almost but, have to, I think. But you know, you you can't replace Freddie. Um, even if like Julio got hurt, I think it would really be felt just because he is the the quote unquote number one in the rotation, and you just have almost no sure things. And we've talked about Hulu being a sure thing or not a sure thing now a couple times in the last hour. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would, it would require a lot of stuff, I think, to go backwards, which would obviously be a really bad situation. But I think there's – if I'm a betting man, there's a much better chance that it's – I would say there's a better chance of reaching like 78 wins than there is of only winning 70.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why obviously we're projecting high 70s. So that's a more likely outcome. But I, I do think 70, 71, 172 are in play, even if that's a lower third outcome. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not ge- gearing up for a playoff race. I do think there'll be meaningful baseball into July, August for the first time in a while, which is fun. Yeah. Um so yeah I mean I I think we probably we probably exercise quite a bit of our uh, our thoughts on the team for now anything else you want to get out there before we sign off cuz I know I mean having to do a rotation preview and a cunya and a predictions preview on the same podcast is a bit of a challenge so I think we we might have skipped something that you wanted to get out there and I'm sorry if we did
1: who's going to the final 4 ooh uh
0: not my team I don't think <laughs> we could make the final 4 I was not going to bring up basketball because of your terrible experience last weekend which I'll let you talk about if you'd like. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, my, I picked my, I picked the Final Four today on uh, on Twitter uh, My re sorry my re Final Four. I want Duke Villanova. Both of those are chalky, but they're the best two teams in the field in my opinion so far. At least uh, remaining in the field. Uh, I will I will go with those two. I will take Gonzaga and I will take Kentucky because I can't imagine Kentucky not winning the South in Atlanta where they're going to have the entire yeah. building of their own fans.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh... If you think about Kentucky, the final four, and they're going to face Davidson, Buffalo, Kansas State, and either Nevada or Loyola, Chicago, that's pretty great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be there Thursday night in Atlanta um, doing some media stuff, and I'm legit excited for Loyola, Nevada, which is a weird thing to say out loud, but that should be fun. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Arizona or no? We we can leave it alone. God,
1: what a bad game!
0: I mean, was, to, at, least, was not, at least on the bright side, you were not alone, and because there were multiple oh, eggs yeah. laid. Uh, I mean, obviously Virginia is the high is the headliner, but you know Auburn was a full blown disaster against Clemson the other night. There's
1: been Michigan, you know, Michigan State falling to Syracuse. They
0: got, so. I mean, UNC falling apart at the seams. Like there was a lot of stuff Cincinnati, to, to, to yeah, distract Cincinnati. from uh, from you, yeah. which is nice. At least
1: they know it was over pretty early. Like there was a stretch where and this is probably far more than people care, but (laughs) probably a stretch where I think Arizona was down like eight and they were kind of staying in. And on uh, back-to-back possessions, uh, Buffalo on a a fast break pull-up, they shot a three and it hit like every inch of the rim, including the backboard, and then went in. And then they banked in a three on the very next play to push the lead to like 14, and I I turned the game off. It was just one of those nights. It It was not fun, but, you know. I'm used to it at this point. Never pick Arizona, even if you're, <laughs> even if you want to talk yourself into Arizona and they're undefeated and the number one team in the country. Never pick Arizona in March.
0: Never pick Arizona, kids. Write that down in your manuals or Virginia, <laughs> apparently. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's probably going to do it for the pod, Scott. I appreciate your work as always. Um, yeah. I mean, follow Scott on Twitter. Follow Scott's takes and our our site on TalkingChop.com. I don't write as much as I used to, but I write, I'll write. i probably write more during the season and uh, the podcast will be here. So I hope you guys enjoyed the previews and all that fun stuff. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, probably no podcast until after opening day. Uh, if something goes crazy, I will try my best to record from London, which will be a challenge, but I will do what I can for listeners because I love you guys. So uh, thank you again, Scott. I appreciate it, man. Of course, man. Have fun in London. I'll do my best. Uh, as for everybody else, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Go Braves. Happy happy opening day if I don't speak to you before then. And stay tuned for the next pod.